Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Hello, everyone. Real quick before we dive into today's episode, just wanted to remind you all of our upcoming New York City adventure. From May 27th to June 1st, we are going to be in New York City looking at art, uh, making content, making art eating good food, exploring the city, talking to some artists, and we want you to join us. It's basically going to be like art history summer camp, except in New York City and in hotels. We originally were going to do it in December, but those dates didn't really work for a lot of people, so we moved it to May 27th, and we've got that all set up and ready to go, so make sure you head to likemindstravel.com to book your spot today and see the full rundown of all uh, the fun things we're going to do. I actually just pulled the Three of Cups tarot card, and this is probably Probably one of my favorite cards. It's an image of three dancing ladies. They're all holding up cups and there's like symbols of harvest surrounding them and it's just like a very joyous card and it represents community and sisterhood and creative collaboration and I feel like that is uh, very auspicious for what the art history babes have planned in 2020 and just the vibe that we're going for with this trip. So hopefully you will join us and yeah, it should be a good time. Likeminds-travel.com. All right, enjoy this episode, the third episode that we recorded live at Sofa Chicago with Laura Appleton from Female Design Collective and Emily Mackey from Inspired Interiors. The art history Welcome to the podcast. I'm Corey. I'm Jen. I'm Natalie. I'm Ginny. And we are the Art History Babes. And we are recording here at Sofa Chicago, Sculptural Objects, Functional Art and Design Fair. And we are joined by two special guests. Would you like to introduce yourselves? Sure. Emily Mackey, owner and founder of Inspired Interiors. And at booth 41, we have a special exhibit honoring anniversaries of women obtaining equality. Very cool. Hi, everyone. My name is Laura Appleton. I'm the founder of Female Design Council. We're a membership organization for women in design and art. We have a special exhibit here at SOFA at B as in boy 22. And it is an exhibit focused on seven female textile artists. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. Well, first of all, congrats for having these amazing female-focused design collectives and exhibitions at this show. Could you speak a little bit more about 
just what led you both to focus on specifically a female-centered exhibition for not just your own practice, but the show and everything? Gosh, um, so for me, it's kind of been a, a repeat theme for quite some time. Not only uh, my business is 16 years old, and over those 16 years, I have found tons of incredible women that have supported me, supported my company. We've supported each other through different times in our lives. And I have created a couple different events honoring women and honoring our anniversaries of empowerment. So for me, it's a little bit of a repeat theme. Mm-hmm. For me, we're just excited to be here. We really appreciate design organizations, shows, fairs, etc. that are looking to support women, regardless of the trend. And we've been, um, or I've been curating various exhibitions, highlighting incredible work done by women. In my career as a designer and a gallery owner um, of Kinder Modern, I've been up against a lot and felt like I needed a really strong female community. So that was the driving factor. And then I just feel really lucky that I get to show this incredible work. And Laura, I'm curious, in particular for you, why textile artists? What drew you? Because you have a design background as well. Is that kind of a personal connection that you have? Or what about textiles? Well, for this show, um, Sofa was really looking to engage more fiber this year. They really listened to their constituents. And I think people were very interested in seeing more textiles at the show. So that was a conversation we had. And for me, I had not curated a fiber exhibition before. So I had a lot of people in mind and was very excited to show a real international focus. And so... The way this works, the special exhibit, you basically curate a show or a booth for Sova. So it's slightly different. We talked to gallerists the other day and your experience is slightly different. Could you guys kind of explain the nuance of what you guys do versus just like a gallery coming in? Yeah, I think uh, for us, our exhibit's a lot about a collective, a collective celebration. We've got 21 female artists all displayed within the booth And it's just a lot about everyone harnessing their energy together and everyone acting upon the greater good together. And so there's not one entity collecting funds. The funds go directly to the artists and the artists all graciously donate half of the money to a female-based charity. And we chose as a group three different female-based charities. So I think financially and emotionally, it's a little bit of a different gathering, I would say. The Female Design Council was started as a social missive for-profit organization. And specifically, I wanted to create opportunities and programs that kind of mess with the setup of design and art, where the onus is always on the artist. And often we're not able to split our fees or the money for our work 50-50. We're not able to afford to pay for booths or artists have that struggle a lot. So... Being able to show in this way, not as a gallery, offers a real opportunity for artists to get their work out in front of 30,000 plus people without worrying about paying for a fare, without splitting their commission. And, you know, it's been a really incredible thing to offer that opportunity to artists that wouldn't have it before. Definitely. That's very cool. Thanks. Um, I'm really really interested in the kind of communal aspect of everything you're talking about, like the the communal collective aspect. How does that play out in terms of 
your relationships and the way like the, uh, the artists interact within like an all female design collective, like, is there kind of, is there like a relationship there? Is it a very like kind of close knit thing that goes on? Yeah. So we were talking about this a little bit earlier and we were talking about how as women, I feel like there's this underlying uh, philosophy that you have to be the little red hen and everyone, a lot of women that I know at least are in my age group, you know, the little red hen, if no one's going to do it, I'll do it myself. I'll take care of it and I'll get it done. Especially as a female business owner, you just are hardwired to get it done and take care of it yourself. And what I said in the earlier lecture was that I think there has to be a peripheral vision and not the little red hen vision that we're all here to help each other out. And it's sort of like uh, women sort of letting go of realizing that I'm out there to get it done, get it done, get it done. And realizing that if we all take a deep breath and support each other, there might be a movement for the greater good in supporting each other. And I think I've experienced that in my business too, especially with new moms or young women that are getting married or just embarking upon trying to obtain a master's degree. And if you find a way to just support each other, you get so much more bandwidth than doing everything the little red hen alone. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of actually because we all went to grad school together. That's how this podcast started. And really straight out the gate, we were like, we're in this together. Like, we're not going to compete against each other. And I think it's made all the difference in the world and like how our work comes across to people. So yeah, I, I like hearing that and like that that's happening in a lot of places in the art world. I think that we're often as creatives kind of forced into this competitive nature. Definitely. And I think it's one thing that's been great about Female Design Council is that our whole mission is about support. We're all about connecting people for collaborations and being able to share sage advice that's worked for us. I've seen the same thing from Emily even just here as to business owners regardless of our gender. We've been very open with each other to share what's happening, what's not happening, what's worked. Oh, oh, did that work for you? And I think culturally, it's really easy to sort of have the shutters on and be inward. And I've found in my career that the more open I am and the more forthcoming to support other people and help them, that it really puts that energy into the world and ideally on some level does come back to you. I love that. So we just gave you a little bit of a background on our little collective here, um, which was that we started together in grad school and we immediately said, we're not going to compete against each other. We're going to work together. And, you know, wine brought us together, which <laughs> as you can see today, we are sponsored by Jado. Go and Thank visit you, their booth. They have lovely wine. Um, so th that kind of, autobiographical story I feel is a huge part of what we do do you both have like a story that got you started that really pushed you into this direction where you're now here at sofa talking to us I would say it's multiple pushes in so many ways, but I founded my own business as a means of being able to balance motherhood and career. 16 years ago, I was working at Gensler, a large architectural firm, and I noticed this one woman had come back from maternity leave, and I had seen her throughout her pregnancy, and then I saw her come back from maternity leave, 
and she was different. She was in agony, you know, from being away from her baby and only a few, you know, four or five weeks after giving birth. And I just remember the look on her face. And I remember seeing her every day thinking, I don't want to do that. I don't want that to be my journey. And so I went out on a limb and founded my own company because I wanted to have my baby by my side and be able to work too. Um, And I wanted to do both successfully. And all three of my children were raised, you know, playing on the floor in my offices and employees playing with them while I ran into a meeting or breastfeeding them in a closet on a construction site or, you know, you name it. And uh, you're multitasking and juggling. I would say that's what set me out into entrepreneurism for sure. I would say that the child thing came later for me. However, I've always been an entrepreneur and... FTC for me really came out of, first of all, no one really helped me out, gave me a hand, recommended me, referred me to a job. And part of that is because I've discovered over the years that I project a level of confidence and it seems that I don't need help, right? But everybody needs support. And so the FTC really came out of the 2016 election for me. I was very frustrated with the representation of women in the media on all levels. And I was having a lot of difficulty in various, we'll call it male-driven projects, projects in general where my opinion was undervalued, you know, all the same things that we've gone through in different various elements of our career of not being appreciated for what I bring to the table and being looked at differently because of gender. And... We started by hosting open meetings, and I realized that there's tons of other women who were experiencing the same thing. And, you know, a lot of time it is that head down, just work and do. But the more you lift it up and open up, then you form these connections where you feel like you have more of an army behind the decisions that you make and the choices that you do. And I also, similarly, when I did have my son, it was incredible to be able to I mean, he's the muse of my main gallery, Kinder Modern, and it was sort of a necessity to be able to have the freedom to do the creative projects that I wanted to do, to be a mom, to be a leader, if you will. And that takes time, but it's definitely happened from the support of other women. Definitely. And I have a lot of respect for both of you in that you took these risks to create businesses of your own that were kind of feeding the need that you weren't seeing other places do in the art world and the art business. And I wonder if you could speak to what taking that kind of risk is like and if you have just general advice for other people that are in the arts and are feeling like they want to start something of their own and what would you advise? (laughs) Gosh, uh, risk-taking. I always kind of refer to it as when you're a child and you climb the ladder of the high dive and you're scared to death and you're afraid you're going to fall off and you just have to jump and know that there's going to be water down there somewhere. (laughs) Eventually. Somewhere there's going to be water. (laughs) And then the more comfortable you get doing that, but you do have to keep doing it and you do have to keep taking risks and you're not always going to win. There are plenty of risks that I've taken, plenty that um, I didn't win, but I always learned incredibly valuable things from the biggest risks that I took and lost. And all of those lessons summarize, you know, where I am today. And I'm thankful for every single one of them. Awesome. I would say just do. 
sometimes we all get in our own way. We have very strong ideas about the way to do it, how to do it, how they made it. We're all little mini critics, high critics of ourselves. And half the battle is just actually following through, doing the work, seeing the work, getting it out there, and being less afraid of the response. It's super important to try new things, to connect with others, to expand your skills, and to find ways in which you learn from others. Like you just, no matter how experienced you are, how many fairs you've done, you don't know it all. You know, I always talk a lot about, and this might be a little complicated without a visual, but if you look at a big circle as a pie, there's that section that you know, and then there's that section that you don't know. But the largest section is the area that you don't know you don't know. And so it's really important to learn that from others and to be open to the fact that, you know, you can learn at any part of your career. Definitely. Yeah, I, I love that because part of our show, you know, it's very research-based. based, And so we definitely get critics sometimes that are like, this fact was not completely correct and and every time that happens we are just like we don't know everything like we we work really hard and we do our best but yeah no one knows everything and I think that that's the information yeah (laughs) that's like such an important skill to have to kind of be able to humble yourself enough to admit that especially I think as women trying to kind of like forge our own path like you want to appear like you have it all together. But I think it's actually more powerful when you admit that you don't. Like, <laughs> It's funny. When we were installing the show, I had some install support from some amazing people at SAIC. And I was expressing some insecurity about some things. And the person I was talking to was like, what do you mean you're insecure? You're always so intense and strong and have this really power energy I would never imagine that you're insecure. And I'm like, listen, everybody's insecure. We're creative people. That's how it goes. But the key is to move through that and to use that fearlessness to jump over the fear and get to the other side so that you can push through and learn and grow and do better work. So I've been hearing the sort of subtext in some of what you've been talking about, which is that you are these entrepreneurs in a male-dominated world. So would you like to speak to what that's been like? Have you come up against pushback or having to work like twice as hard to prove yourself in this male-dominated world? Or how has that played out for both of you? Gosh, I think that's played out quite a bit. I, I've, I've talked about that in a couple different scenes where I feel like, in order to summarize it, I feel like there's a different starting line for women, and I feel like there's not true equality until we all have the same starting line. So, for example, me wanting to find a business loan has taken forever. It took me 14 years to secure just a loan, and I had to self-fund everything. I had to cut my own salary. I had to reinvest in my company. And same. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's a real challenge. And I think balancing uh, motherhood, and but I would say, too, most of the time when I've seeked help to achieve different things that I didn't know anything about, I've reached out to many of my male friends that have given me advice and, and help on different things. But I think uh, we were talking about it in an earlier panel. I think 
for women. If you want to start a business, get a mortgage, open up a 401k that will fund your retirement. It's a lot harder to find other women to talk to all of that about. It's just not as easily done. And I feel like for men, it's a little bit easier to find your uncle, your grandfather, your father. So I feel like there's a little bit of a different starting line. And maybe that's over generalizing, but I feel, you know, it's fair enough that, you know, would you all, who would you all go to to ask about your 401k and is it enough to fund your retirement or what, what, how to start a S corp or how to, you know, I mean, um, not everyone sitting right here would say, Oh, I'd go ask my mom. Oh, I'd go ask my grandma, Mm -hmm. you know, but if we were all a group of men here, it it might be very different responses. Mm -hmm. I think another thing that I've noticed quite a bit is you have to see it in order to recognize that you too can do it. And so historically, we just haven't been able to see as many women in those positions of power. And while, you know, the women's movement currently, if you will, is a little like the green movement, it's a bit of a marketing spin with a lot of corporate brands and the news and et cetera, et cetera, as well as, you know, minorities and various people who haven't been given options, right? So I would say that's one thing is that I didn't see a lot of people doing what I was doing. There wasn't, when I started, a huge amount that I had seen of female gallery owners. And when I saw them, man, did I chase them down, right? And then I would say a thing that I find as the biggest frustration is respect. Throughout my whole career, let's say for the last 20 years, I have just been met with a level of disrespect because I well, thank God, look a little younger than I am, but I'm often mistaken for the assistant. I'm often disrespected as, oh, that's thanks for your mom opinion. You know, it's constant, but that rolls right off. You know, that's their issue. It's not my issue. I'm very clear with who I am. And some of that just comes from self-confidence, even if you're faking it till you make it, Mm -hmm. it comes with age and experience. And the key is really to find ways to trust yourself, to find people. I have an incredible accountant who's been with me for over 10 years, who's a woman. So I've been lucky to have that woman to call. And I think that you need to find your go-tos regardless of their background, their gender, et cetera. You need to find the people that you can trust and you need to keep them close. Yeah, that's, that's great advice. Thank you. I wanted to, you mentioned the women's movement and your textile exhibition, I feel like there's a lot of intersection there with how textiles have been used with the women's movement as an art form. And I just was wondering if you could speak maybe a little bit more to that relationship, I guess, that like activist relationship and the like framing a exhibition of all women artists that work with fiber. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> well, first I would say that Historically, textiles came out of a domesticity and in families and in working communities, women were in the home and they were finding ways to work, to make, and that continued outside of the home. I have a number of artists that I've worked with, some of which I'm showing, like Liz Collins, who've done very large installations that have a lot of, no pun intended, textural context about pushing gender identity forward, female strength forward, 
there are various female movements from guerrilla girls that are super well-known in the art space, all the way to individual women in Alabama who are hand-stitching quilts out of protest and, you know, experience and putting lineage into the material. You know, the title of our show here is Intricate, Beauty and Complexity Sewn Up. And while that's a little bit obvious and certainly a pun on itself, it was really important because those words describe women. We are complex. We are beautiful, regardless of what we look like and where we come from and how old we are and what we show, right? And so it's very important that you stand by your values, by your morals. Who you are is more important than like anything and how you present that and interact with people is a real sort of way to pass on your strength. And I think that's what women have been doing for centuries. And now I'm getting the privilege of being able to shine light on these women that are doing incredible things. And I think we're just starting to scrape the surface of what we're about to see. And I will also say, I don't mean to hog up the mic here, but I've had so many incredible makers that are Chicago-based that work in textile arts that are so thrilled to see a representation of themselves. And that sort of goes back again to if you can see it, you can do it. Definitely. And you both are so conscious of shining the light on women that you work with and makers and designers and artists. And I'm curious to hear a little bit more about both of your brick and mortar spaces and how you use those in terms of how you structure exhibitions. And, you know, it's so important to have the collaborative elements or just kind of visually how that works or if there's some, yeah. Oh, gosh. So I'm on my third brick and mortar location over the years and over 16 years. So You know, I've used the space for a variety of reasons. We're downtown in Chicago Mm -hmm. on Hubbard and Dearborn. Mm -hmm. And when I leased the space, I utilized it to have huge chandeliers in the window. So when people are walking up and down Hubbard Street, they'll look up and say, oh, who is that? You know, so I would say more for people to generally locate us. Mm -hmm. But I certainly have used the space for a variety of meetings, gatherings, Mm -hmm. just a variety of things over the years. I use my main space of Kinder Modern to represent and showcase the work of the different designers. We started our open meetings with the Female Design Council there, which has been really great to be able to sort of leverage that opportunity to just have free space. A lot of our exhibitions have really come out of the relationships that I make on the floor Mm -hmm. at shows like this the corporate entities that I see as, oh, you need to get involved. I know you have a budget for women or, you know, finding opportunities and being able to push that through multidiscipline. And I'm working hard to show masterful level of work so that we can compete at the highest level with anyone, regardless of what they look like. Do you guys find that because you're a female collective and that's such a big part of how you present that more visitors or patronage or people who come through does it tend to be more female or do you feel like it's kind of even I just wonder sometimes if it draws in more women than men or if it's I don't know that's actually an interesting question so my interior design firm actually specializes in I would 
summarize it as two kind of categories. Number one, a lot of my clients end up being very busy executive type females that know that I will manage their home getting properly done and they trust me to, you know, a type personality take over their home. And then the second big audience of clients that we have are actually bachelor men that uh, kind of want us to come in and, and totally take over and just, you know, do everything and make it all look amazing and just take care of them. So that does cover a very broad majority of our clients. <laughs> I'm going to talk about sort of the reaction here on the floor. I feel like all gender, all age, from little ones all the way to a lot of grandparents have really been excited by the work. I think this special exhibit has been a light bit of confusion. They're like, you're not a gallery, you know, because there's a structural context here. And I think it's kind of exciting to talk about, no, actually, we're not. And this is a different context. And We've had a couple people who've also expressed some confusion or displeasure about the fact that we're showing all women and why that's necessary in this day and age. And I really appreciate those conversations because what a great thing it is to be able to open their minds a little bit. It's better that they ask than to just, you know, walk away without opening it up because then you can tell them exactly why and inform a little bit. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and that speaks a little bit to this idea of emotional labor that women have to put forward, which is explaining why maybe focusing on women is important and why men's rights people should go away. And that kind of um, mentality of, of really having to explain why. And so how... Do you manage that? Do you feel like it's an extra burden or are you happy to explain? I'm going to take this one because I get this a lot. <laughs> yeah. I think that I understand when you focus on one type of style, design, people, etc., it seems exclusionary. And right now we're in a climate of stress, right? Everybody wants to feel validated, to feel worthy. And I totally understand that by focusing on women on some level, we're excluding people. But what I think is really interesting about the conversation and frustrating simultaneously is it feels awkward in this over-contextualized conversation of women to continue to have to say it, but I'm okay feeling uncomfortable. And I think that it's not it's not black and white, right? And women do do an immense amount of emotional labor. We're different beings inside in how we look at our projects, how we compare and contrast ourselves. We're way harder on ourselves. I've noticed in grouping through the design council how often, even for myself, who's like looked at from the outside sometimes, excuse my French, is like a tough bee, you know, I have a hard time putting myself out there. It's way easier for me to present all of these women than it is to put my own work forward. And these women motivate me and I motivate them. And there's that real back and forth that I think helps us move beyond the uncomfortable conversations. So 
to answer part of your question, um, our booth, booth B41, is a celebration of anniversaries for right. women. And I feel like uh, the journey that we went on with our special exhibit collectively, 21 women, and all of these incredible anniversaries, there's, you know, uh, you'll see red numbers scattered throughout the booth. And it, it was such an educational opportunity for all of us as women to learn that, you know, 46 is the amount of years that we've been able to have a credit card in our own name. 83 is the amount of years that you were able to file for divorce because before that you were just stuck with where you were stuck. A hundred years for the right for white women to vote, but less for African-American and any woman of color to vote. Seven for the years to fight in combat. Before that, you had to have a desk job with a military or a medical job. Um, so seven, seven, seven. Wow. Uh, four for nomination to major political party. You know, 57 for wage disparity legislation to be passed. 48 for uh, the opportunity to obtain birth control. Right. You know, so you think about just what the journey has been like for all of these other women without all of these things. It was a... The reality looked very different for our mothers, for our grandmothers. Reality was, by definition, very different. Yeah, and I think that is so interesting, too, because obviously we're very interested in history and the connection of history and visual material and bringing those two things together and how much that can inform us about how we live today in our very contemporary world, but how a lot of these things that seem very historically distant aren't that distant and connecting to that in a way that's visual, just makes it that much more emotionally evocative. I think for us, obviously, but for everyone, really, when they see that. Right. And not one single woman out of all 21 in our booth, not one single woman was even aware of all of these anniversaries. It it was so eye-opening for all of us. Even the ones like we've got Catherine back here who's wearing her skirt, which is she wave your hand again, Catherine. She's wearing the skirt regarding uh, ability to file uh, for damages for sexual harassment. Each Mm -hmm. pocket has a portion of the legal case for the case that was in court and um, set forth legislation for all of us to stop sexual harassment in the workplace. So just so many eye opening things. The artists themselves learn so much just researching their topics. Mm -hmm. So. It's so amazing. I love the educational aspect of that show. That's great. And just further solidifies my ideas that we're women are here to educate. So yeah, and I also I agree. And I like kind of speaking to what both of you have said, this idea of like, I mean, even just being in an art fair space is changing very rapidly. We were talking last night to some people about how this show has changed over the years, but I I also know just the art fair kind of vibe, I guess, has changed a lot recently. And with a show like this, it's been really interesting to just see all these different uses of materials and kind of different approaches to things. And as we were talking about, like, incorporation of fiber and everything, but adding this like educational element, it really speaks to how art is just, it's a process. It's like a whole, it's not just about like hanging a painting on your wall. You have to be involved in it in some way. And I think doing, yeah, an exhibition like that, where there is this, this heavy education element to it is very interesting in what we could see moving forward. Yeah, I I think it created a certain amount of passion for each artist in our booth. They were so passionate about their work. And then when you add up all of us as a collective, our contacts and our ability through social media added together as a group, our emailing our client base as a group, and not one woman ever said, 
oh, I don't want anyone else to have my contacts or not, not one woman, one woman ever said that. And we got so far as a group with exposure mm -hmm. and energy and just collectively, it's been incredible. Yeah. It's really exciting hearing you guys talk about running these collectives and like thinking about females and progressing because even the fact that we're here at this show, I feel like shows probably a lot of growth. I mean, we're like a niche art history podcast <laughs> um, who drinks wine. Uh, but yeah, it's been really fun to see all of the inclusion and yeah, like how your guys' special exhibits have opened up educational avenues, but without really, you know, shoving it down people's throats or making it seem like a museum show. I mean, you're still design focused. That's what you're doing is creating a visual experience and it's just really beautiful to see it all come together. Thanks so much. I think the best part of the show I would say there's always two parts for me that are the most exciting. And the first is the concept and being able to really come up with the creativity. But the next for me is getting to talk about the work. And so one of my favorite things at being at a show like Sofa is allowing people to look and view and experience the work in their own way, but also offering that openness and opportunity to share the history and experience and disciplines of the artists and I think in gallery settings and in museum settings, there's often a disconnect in that, that you feel a little awkward being able to have those conversations and then people get to share and talk about their work. And so there's a real openness in these special exhibits that I've really appreciated. Um, I think we're kind of, yep, running, running close to time. We wanted to open it up to Q&A to the audience if anyone has any questions for... Any of us up here at all? No. <laughs> I know. I feel like we pretty much answered every question, but come on, don't be shy. <laughs> I'm sure you have questions. Yes. Thank you. We, we love too. it too. <laughs> this is central to our creative process. Um, and if you've seen on our other logo, we do have a, a wine glass and our mascot, which is a, a little, a rabbit that our little mascot. So yeah, no, this is, this is great. And thanks again to Jadot for providing us with this lovely wine. Please take some before you leave. <laughs> yeah. Especially it sounds like you had a rough day today. So <laughs> we're, we're very happy to provide. All right. Well, if there's no more questions, thank you so much, yeah, Laura thank you both for being and Emily. Thank you for having us. And thank so you nice. for being here and talking to us about your work. Love thank it. Thank you very thank much. You. Thank Love you. Love being here. And go visit their booths. <laughs> B22. We are history, babe.